Get updated with the hottest news in insurance, finance, and the newest innovation in InsureTech and FinTech in these difficult times. Hear it from one of the most known and respected voices in the industry, Dr. Robin Kiera, and his guest of today. Hey guys, this is EU InsureTech and Investment live from the beautiful headquarter, no, from the headquarter of digital scouting in the beautiful city of Hamburg, Germany with Florian Gaillot from the even more beautiful city of Paris in the beautiful country of France. And we have Anthony Peaker, CEO of Intelligent AI. Thank you very much for being us and joining us here from England today. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Anthony. Yes, thank you very much. And we, this is a very special show because it's called Investment and InsurTech. And what a hell of a month the last four weeks have been. Uh, Florian, do you want to share some numbers and insight in this insane week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy month. Uh, last month, as you may remember, there were, I will uh, display the figures, but there were a bit more than 200 million that were invested in the European uh, scene. Uh, the truth is that one deal shift technology raised uh, the major amount and then you were, you, you got, let's say, a, a smaller but quite interesting uh, deal anyway. So Sprout.ai, Risk, DUK was the most active part. Hence, we are very happy uh, to have Anthony with us uh, today uh, to discuss a bit about uh, intelligent AI. But long story short, a lot of deals, a lot of money invested. And it seems that uh, June uh, is quite active as well. Uh, so uh, quite exciting. And thanks again, Anthony, for being with us today and share a bit uh, more about what you are doing at uh, intelligent AI. So thanks again. Yeah, and Florian, just to understand, I was so excited because I had all the hundreds of millions of dollars and euros in my mind when it comes to internet, but that was June, not May, was it? Yeah, but May, ah. the pictures that I display were May. Obviously, June are even more crazy, <laughs> more crazy. So let's uh, let's look at the end of, of the discussion. Yeah, you have probably in mind we Fox Round, uh, which uh, just. Uh, Raised. Also, many, also in others. Yeah. I have a question for you all. Um, just before we jump to Anthony, but please, Anthony, I'm also super interested in your view. What do these numbers say? Yeah, I, I believe that it's related to what we mentioned uh, in January with Marta and, uh, and uh, Nigel, uh, that uh, the COVID uh, lockdown and the situation last year accelerated the digitization in insurance or the need for uh, technologies in insurance and digital behavior from customers. So I think that yeah. both accelerated. So we switch from, let's say, there is uh, an opportunity to leverage technology. It's a must have to, okay, we need technology to stay relevant. So uh, that, that's, uh, that's why I believe uh, these, uh, these uh, companies are raising so much money. Anthony, you're part of this, sorry. Yeah, I, 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 when we came to, to raising, I'll talk about that a little, a little bit later, but um, the first part of COVID, the first six months, there was a lot of apprehension. People were sort of holding on to their money, not knowing where the market was going, etc. Built up a lot of pent-up pent demand. Um, second half of the last year then has sort of burst out with lots and lots of interest in investing. And, and certainly, uh, as you say, um, markets have been disrupted uh, because of the need to digitize, for the need to go online and to continue business, but in a different way. 
And by the way, if you're watching out there, feel free to ask some questions or even say just hi, like Maxted or Brian here, because you need to show the algorithm that you love this show, um, and then we get even spread more around the world, and millions and millions and millions of insurance professionals can see this show. So that's our goal for this one. No pressure. But if you're out there, like, share, hug your phone. Um, all right. Um, but let's now go into the um, interesting question. Um, would you mind to um, describe maybe, Anthony, to a 10-year-old the magic of data analysis, IoT, AI, predicting, sorry, predicting goal risks? You know, I'm so excited about it, I even can't <laughs> say the name. Um, and why it's vital for insurer? Yeah, I mean, if, if you take the, the UK market, for instance, over the last five years, they've underwritten... 50 billion of commercial property insurance and lost 4.7 billion. Lost 4.7 billion. Like in, to in total, after, out of that 50 billion, a, a combined ratio of 109% overall. So the big challenge they've seen is that a lot of insurance, especially in commercial property space, is underwritten with very little data. They visit 5% of the sites that represent 20, 25% of the risk, um, but then they have no data on the other 95% of sites. And so with AI, we're bringing together over 300 different pieces of data from external IoT, so weather sensors, river flow, uh, internal IoT from sprinklers and fire protection and security, um, from um, satellite. Um, AI is fantastic for being able to fast forward and rewind history. So I can fast forward with AI models where I can predict where the market is going. I can predict where risks might be coming from in global warming. But equally, I can rewind so that if somebody makes a claim, I can get a satellite image of the day before they made a claim and I can see their roof, I can see their crop, I can see all of this. I can fast forward three or four days afterwards and I can see what, what the incident, let's say hail, has caused to their farm. And I can use AI to subtract both those images so I can see just exactly where the damage has been and I can pay them out without even having to visit. So, so AI is helping us to predict where the risks are going and coming from, but they're also helping us to access imagery from before the risk so that we can compare those two. That, that's quite interesting. And, and by the way, you mentioned AI, you mentioned data. Would you say that the... Uh, the major challenge in your AI journey is accessing this data, or do you believe that uh, the challenge around uh, getting the right people, because we know that this is a quite a challenging here, um, is the major challenge for you? So, how do you, where do you put, let's say, the the, the, the balance between the data challenge, accessing the data challenge, all the uh, data sets that you mentioned, and having the right people that knows about building algorithm on board in your company? I think there's. I think there's two challenges. One of the challenges is understanding the user experience, understanding the user. I could confuse you and swamp you with 300 pieces of data you've never looked at before. But if I understand what your job is, what the next task you're trying to do, if I can automate that task for you so that I can provide you with actionable insight without you having to read a 60-page risk report, or I can provide you with river flow data when you need river flow data or seismic data, et cetera, so one of the challenges is really understanding what is the role of the person and what actionable insight do they need and then deliver them a platform that just works for them. I, I say that 80% of everything we do as humans is admin with only 20% of our time to add value to our company and our customers. So if the systems can automate 80% of the 80%, I can make you four times as productive. 
So as long as I understand what you need. So that's one of the challenges. The other challenge is very much down to adoption. Lots of insurers use manual processes, use spreadsheets. They've got a way of doing things. And even though they're making the losses, they still feel comfortable with their old processes. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's teasing them into and, and showing very early case studies, very early return on investment. And those wins create more wins. We have a question from the audience here. Uh, I, I think I was lost for a second thanks to the German, great German internet infrastructure in the second largest city in Germany. Um, so here's a question from uh, Shenhal. Um, he asked, are ABI calls available as a service for a core platform? I think that's a super nerd question, but I think a lot of people are asking that to themselves out there right now. Yeah, I mean, we we are able to bring in via some, some of the data we have to collect ourselves, analyze it, clean it, and then present it. A lot of the data that we collect, we bring in through application programming interfaces, APIs. So we can bring in data from the sprinkler system. We can bring in data from the river flow meter. We can bring that in and then combine that into the platform. So in the past, when people used to think of multiple sets of data, they would always worry about integration. That's far easier today. And the AI models then allow us to, to turn that from computer geekery into business and actionable insight. And, and by the way, if you access, let's say, data sets that are available through API, it, it means that, the, let's say, there is no uh, unfair advantage uh, and that nobody, uh, that everybody can access these kind of uh, data sources. So w w do you consider that the challenge and the opportunity is much more to be able to gather all these data set together, plus the data that you mentioned that you are cleaning, uh, tracking yourself? So it's much more gathering data uh, and, and making sense of them. That's the value proposition, much more than uh, accessing this data that could be accessible through API, right? I think it, it's, it's also domain expertise. I mean, um, mm. I happen to have been involved in delivering risk yeah. management systems for six of the top 10 European insurers. So actually, over the last seven years, I've learned a lot of the way they work. I mean, if they, if they go to 5% of properties that represent 20, 25% of the risk, I can deliver them a digital twin of 100% of the portfolio using all of this data. Um, quite often, that, that risk report they get will be a 60-page document that could take two hours to read but yeah. they've only got five minutes to make a decision. So yeah. I can extract that data and provide it in a dashboard with red, amber, green, rag status so that they can easily digest the information and make a decision. I can present models that are an improvement of previous models and I can demonstrate to them how they can predict risk better. Um, so, so I think the, the main challenge to me is the data is there computing and cloud and AI has now given that perfect storm yeah. where the volume of data meets the enablement of the technologies. And now it's a matter of understanding the customer and delivering them based on their user experience. I mean, a little bit, it sounds like a dream come true or something, you know, um, not only a dream come true, but it sounds better than it actually, how should I put it in, in English? Um, too good to be true. Too good yes. to be true. Yes. Um, I mean, I, for non, I'm sorry for all the non-insurance people watching here. Like we have sometimes a few bankers that watch too. Thank you very much for being here um, and IoT people. But it's like this is like where if you look at the insurance industry, claims and risk, you know, that's 
billions, billions, trillions of dollars there. So if we talk about, okay, we can assess risk a little better or, you know, uh, increase the efficiency in underwriting, it's like a game changer. It's a multi-billion dollar movement of a needle. So Anthony, what are arguments that come um, against that from, from insurers? Um, I think the first thing people think when they think about AI is jobs are going to be lost. Well, actually, people can't hire enough underwriters, enough risk engineers, enough actuaries. Um, the volume of work is increasing. I don't see anyone losing their job at all. What I see is this whole augmenting of their job, getting rid of that 80% of admin and delivering the value, reducing the operating expenses of the organization, making them a digital insurer so that they've got better insight on the risk so they don't lose the $4.7 billion on $50 billion of underwriting um, and, and also, they can take their time from doing internal admin to actually working with their customers on risk. I did an analysis of 10,000 risks identified last year by insurers, and only one in seven of those risks were ever fixed. So if I, if, I know a if I know you've got a risk, and I tell you about the risk, and I tell you the cost of fixing the risk, you don't fix it, and I still pay you. Something's fundamentally, fundamentally wrong in the market. So... By freeing people up to be able to work with the clients to fix the risk, you know, I was inspired by Grenfell Tower, set up intelligent AI based on the inspiration of Grenfell Tower. Um, half of the people in there didn't have insurance. The other half, it, it, if there was an issue, it would be a small white goods, a fridge, a toaster, something like that. So they would never make a claim. So an insurance view of the world is that's not a risky building because we've seen no claims. Yet in the year leading up to Grenfell Tower, there were 15 fire service call-outs no insurer was looking at the data from the fire service on how many call-outs. They were just waiting for a claim. But if people don't have insurance, they don't see a claim. So, you know, in, in total, 79 people have been killed. And yeah. there will be over a billion pounds of cost mm -hmm. from that one incident. So, you know, if you take it a little bit more seriously, this is about reducing death and increasing profit. I have another question, and sorry for sneaking this one in because I know Florian has also a long list of great questions for you. But isn't this also a great example of that we talk about cost, about technology, but in the end that insurers are in the business of saving lives? I mean, imagine if that could have been prevented, 79 yes. people, 150 yep. families, however, how many people are involved. Isn't it, I don't want to get too romantic, but isn't that actually that we are in the, in the industry of saving lives? And that's, that's exactly why I set up Intelligent AI. And it's a, it's a profitable vision because this isn't just an issue for the UK. This is an issue. We've got, we've got a customer we're working with at the moment to build out 20,000 digital twins of, of 20,000 properties world, worldwide. We've got another one we're talking to at the moment who wants to build out on 70,000 global locations. You know, these are, these are um, uh, space centers. These are military establishments. These are are food retail outlets, these are ports, these are film studios, you know, you name the type of organization. But in most cases, the, the insurer doesn't even know the address. In, in only about 40% of cases do they actually have the address of the place they're, they're underwriting. And in a third of those, they're wrong by up to half a mile. So if you don't, if you don't know where a place is, how do you know how you can manage the risk? If you're out by half a mile, how do you know how close it is to, to a seismic or water or wherever? So these are things we're easily helping them to fix with these technologies. Yeah, by the way, that's very interesting because uh, I remember from my previous life at uh, an insurance company uh, that insurers usually say that insurance is all about data 
but you, you share an example that even on the claim data, uh, which I believe is one of their assets, um, which doesn't mean that they have all the data on their customers, but at least they have the, the usually the claim data. Uh, what is interesting in the example that you shared is that it's not enough uh, to, to better anticipate the, the risk. Quite interesting, maybe to jump uh, and, and to follow up on what you mentioned around the augmented insurer, meaning that technology is built to uh, supercharge uh, yes. let's say employees and processes because the level of work is increasing. Um, uh, as a B2B technology slash enterprise software, we, we are all trying to deal with the sales process in insurance. Can you say a, a few words about it um, and how you try, uh, let's say, to accelerate uh, this one? Plus, do you have a vision on how or tip for those that are listening around the famous dilemma, dilemma that uh, corporates have between uh, buying and building the technology itself? I guess that you faced uh, this kind of uh, discussion with big players. So again, tips on accelerating the sex process. Um, any thought on this dilemma? Yeah, I mean, let's let's pick the dilemma first of all. I, I often get people saying, this is just data, isn't it? And we've got data. Um, I did a survey of 50 insurers um, a couple of weeks ago in the UK, for instance. Um, and one of the biggest challenges they've got is they've got silos of data. So they've got lots of data, but it's not the right data. It's dirty data because they haven't really had to spend a lot of time with that data. They make a lot of decisions on very little data, and they don't have a lot of time to make those decisions. So it's the wrong data, it's in the wrong place, and it's fragmented. So, so actually, it's not about more data. It's about the way that we bring that data together intelligently and then present it to them. So, yeah, I mean, you know, build, build instead of buy, but yet they haven't done it. An organization. Yeah, and and, and I, I, when it comes back to the data point, um, I cannot hear, I cannot, I, I, oh, if I hear this point, we as insurer have so much data, it's not only that it's siloed, but that they have wrong understanding of data. Yeah, I worked also for an online gaming company that had, you know, online computer games. There are hundreds and thousands of, of trigger points in tracking and whatever, and you have multi-billion dollar companies that still don't have tracking on the website. Uh, yeah. or, um, or they come and say, and when they say we have data, it means they have the, the up-to-date mortality table. That's not data. Yeah. It's not data, you know? Break, break uh, I don't want to bother anybody, but it, 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 you really, I think, uh, then I always ask, what do you understand as data? And then they say, we have mortality statistics. I say, okay, all right, we're talking about that level of data. And then let's, let's both jump into this jet and fly a little bit because we show you the future. And, I, and that's what I agree with you absolutely. I mean, there's lots of insure techs out in the market who have a brilliant new vision of how to do things. They've got the capabilities to do it. We need the data and we need the challenges. The insurers need, need to, to work with us because we have the intelligence inside. We're faster. We're more agile. Um, and we're able to demonstrate. Every single day when I sit down with insurers and I show them what we can do with satellites, what we can do with IoT, how we can build a digital twin, even the basics of I can take your data and I can give you an accurate address for everything. We, we yeah, 79. Sorry. Sorry, I was, just gonna say, yeah. I was just going to say one thing. I mean, 79% of properties around the world are underinsured by 30% because they don't know how to calculate the value of the building. Now, if you know your market is underspending 30%, wouldn't that be one of the first things you would go and address? So again, it's, we can calculate all of that information accurately. 
We get a lot of questions from the audience, so maybe we spend it with Gustavo and, 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 and Snehal and um, Raul and Max and everybody. Um, maybe with Gustavo's question, um, he asked, how do you approach risk in AI? And I fear that he asks for the company secret, because the next question is mathematical approach. Uh, maybe you share a few non-secret secret things with us. Of course. So, so one of the basics is um, when an engineer goes on site and does a survey, they write a 60-page document. It's unstructured. There's a little bit of structure. There's some tables, there's some words, etc. So with AI, we train it to read the tables and pull out the, the matched pairs, you know, the title and the answer. What is the building worth? It is worth 23 million. You know, they, that type of information we pull out. We also, though, do a lot of natural language processing. So we look at the way a risk engineer explains the, the fire risk and the construction and those sort of things, and we pull that information out as well. All of that goes into a database, and then we present it as a dashboard so that people can spend a couple of minutes rather than two hours reading a 60-page document, and they'll get all of the key highlights, and then if they want to read the main document, they can. So that kind of thing saves thousands of hours. But what it also does, a lot of insurers, when they get risk reports as part of reinsurance, they'll read it once and throw it away. We digest that and we're able to go, okay, so this, this historic church, here are the top 10 types of risks you will find with the historic church, because we've analyzed tens of thousands of documents. So we actually have time with the AI platforms to do those things more intelligently. What was your other question? Yeah, or, or, yeah or maybe I had a question which uh, I just wanted to raise because here it's again around data and obviously that's, uh, that's, very, uh, that's very important. But um, prior to having this live discussion, we were preparing uh, the talk and, and you mentioned that you were operating in the UK and the US. So I was a, a bit curious about the differences that you see on these markets. Uh, I mean, in terms, again, as a startup dealing with corporates, uh, how how do you see the differences? Is that easier in the US or in the UK or more generally in Europe? And by the way, why did you choose uh, to scale in the US instead of continental Europe or, or Asia? That might happen later on. But anyway, the first uh, outside of the UK market that you addressed is the US. Why and what are the differences uh, between these two uh, geographies? Well, in Intelligent AI was very fortunate. We managed to get into Lloyd's lab. Lloyd's of London's incubator. And through that incubator between October and December last year, we had eight mentors from global insurers. Mm -hmm. And every one of those has wanted to work with us since. So one of the first of those is, is the, the fourth biggest property insurer in the US, plus there's a couple of insurers in the, in the UK that want to move. And uh, I wouldn't say this is territorial. I would say this is down to the vision of the organization. Does the leadership of that organization have, you know, understand the fundamental problems of you know, losing money and operating expenses, et cetera? And do they have the vision to look outside and find help? Um, and that's tended to be, I mean, it, the fact that these people put mentors on Lloyd's Lab incubator program says that they, they, they want to be inspired by, by new ways of doing things. Um, we're now working with a, with a, a few uh, US insurers and a few UK insurers. Um, what our, our aim then is to go to a Series A investment in 15 months' time. And um, back in 2000, I was CEO of Dotcom Incubator out in Singapore. Um, Asia is a huge and fantastic market 
once we've grown up to that stage. But definitely Middle East, Asia are the growth plans for us once we've done UK, US and, and then Europe. And, and maybe a little bit of cheating. I'm starting with English language. <laughs> I'm starting with a few basic currencies of reading. Uh, we will very quickly train AI models to do French, German, Italian, Portuguese, etc., and then and then obviously out to out to Asia and the Middle East. Okay, quite uh, quite interesting. Um, maybe uh, it's worth now, let's say, exploring the future because uh, one uh, reason why you are with us uh, today is that you announced a round um, before the Series A that you expect in the next 15 months, uh, you just announced a seed round. Uh, so can you say a bit more about how much with whom, but beyond that, what for? So we, we've been fortunate. I, I started the company in May last year, the middle of a pandemic. I was able to hire some very bright people, which has been great. And we, we were able to very quickly get involved with Innovate UK and raise over 350,000 of grants. And I have some other grant applications going in at the moment. I love grants because it allows us to, to it covers half the cost of the business. And it allows us to spend twice as long on a task to actually get it right. We're not just running and jumping. We intend a long-term business. So, so that's worked really well. Um, in order to now scale based on all the engagement we got from Lloyd's Lab, yeah, we got more engagement from Lloyd's Lab than we would have hoped for or dreamed for. Um, and therefore, in order to scale, um, I went out and did a seed round um, with, um, with £400,000 of investment. Um, RLC Ventures and Foamcap, uh, Force Over Mass, um, were actually um, came in and, uh, as, as primary investors plus a number of angels. Um, so we've been able, we were able to close that round very quickly, surprisingly quickly. I, I, I asked the one sensible question in, in the startup journey, which was to the first investor, will you please lead the round for me? I'm not an expert in investment. Um, and they agreed, which has been great. So they've helped us introduce to lots of people. So I must have done over 100 presentations to investors, many of them later stage ones, but we've started to build great relationships. So so we've, we've got a number of grants. We've got other grants on the way. We've, we've raised this funding at the moment in order to expand the development team, expand the, the sales team. Um, it's helped us to pick up on all the engagement, huge amount of engagement at Lloyd's Lab. Um, we've immediately gone in and we're doing 20,000 global locations. The next project is 70,000 global locations. And um, the plan now is to then go to, uh, we were oversubscribed in that first round. And so the plan now is to go to a Series A round in about 15 months in order to really, between now and then, we are proving it works. You know, so we're doing lots of pilots, we're doing lots of MVPs, we're building out the platform. Um, we're getting some great results. And I, I believe that, you know, you need, to you need to prove your technology is better than the thing that goes before. Yeah. So my focus for the next year is lots of examples of proving this is fantastic and really works and can change the industry, but also can save lives. So that, that's a simple journey for the next 12 months um, and then go to Series A. And then through Series A, it'll allow us to properly expand globally. Okay, quite uh, exciting days uh, still ahead. So, uh, yes. so that yeah, that's quite uh, quite interesting. Typical CEO journey of twenty-four by seven, four jobs simultaneously. But but I thoroughly enjoy it. And uh, yeah, if if you can see an industry that needs to be disrupted, and they're in, you know, as we show them the technology, they're they're like children. Their eyes open up, and they can just wow. I can you know, I can see how this this technology can change the industry. 
but if at the same time we can save lives, yeah, it, it, I'm happy to come to work every day. Well, 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 time flies. Half an hour is already <laughs> over. Thank you very much for being here and also all the people out there. But there's one, one last question. We always ask our guests that spend time with us and allow us insights into the expert field and reveal all company secrets. That's what can the InsurTech and insurance community do for you? So we're, we're looking for challenges. We've got good grants. And um, we're actually, we can fund a lot of the work ourselves. So we're actually looking for people who have challenges. We're looking for people who are interested in this journey to take us through to Series A, um, who are looking at that global expansion and who can advise us on that side. So, so really it's, it's, you know, if people have large commercial property portfolios, whether that's an insurer, whether that's a broker, whether that's a large corporate with, lot, with lots of uh, commercial properties, et cetera. And obviously through the insurance community, the network, the contacts, you know, if you, if you know of people who, who need this challenge, who are interested in exploring AI in this sort of domain, please get in touch. Anthony, thank you very much. And also, thank you very much for being a great co-moderator as always. Yeah, thanks a lot again for running the show, uh, Robin. And thanks a lot, Anthony, for uh, all the insight that you shared on your company. Uh, and thanks to everybody for the audience and see you next month then. See you next month with some record-breaking numbers, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone.